Welcome to the Santander Baseball Podcast here on Review and Preview. I'm Andrew Scopacci alongside Brady Campbell and Anthony Hollins. Season's over, but it's getting started. The offseason is getting started. We'll get into that in a bit. Obviously, the winter meeting's coming up next week starting this Sunday. But we never got a chance to really give our full analysis of the awards that came out a couple weeks back. We haven't done a show um, since the week after the World Series. So we'll get into that quickly. Obviously, it's been talked about. Everyone's probably sick of it. But we'll just get our couple cents in and then we'll move into the offseason news. So I was not shocked at this at all. I think they were the two deserving candidates, Shelly Otani and Ron McCuna Jr., I, it was the NL was very tight the whole year, but Acuna just did things that were unprecedented. I think he deserved it. I think he was slightly better than than um, Mookie Betts as well as um, Freddie Freeman. The guys that were in the running with him, they all had terrific years. But Acuna really snuck out at the end. Obviously, none of them really did anything in the playoffs. It is what it is. But regular season counts. Otani, one of the best offensive seasons in the league, despite missing probably 20, 30 games, and his pitching was elite while he was healthy. And that combined, even though, again, Angels didn't make the playoffs, I thought he was obviously by far the best player in baseball, being one of the, the best pitchers and hitters in the game when he was doing both. Absolutely. I, I agree really with both of these, as you mentioned, Andrew. NL kind of game came down to the wire a little bit. Betts, Freeman, the, the two other finalists had incredible years. But I think you look at the stuff Acuna did, of course, with the Braves. I mean, the stuff the Braves did during the season in general was incredible. But Acuna, just another outstanding season, uh, got 40-70 as well. Very impressive. And I think he he was probably the, the most deserving of the bunch. Um, I think they all were, but I, I think he kind of maybe was a step ahead. And Otani, despite the injury... I mean, what else did we expect than the season he put on when he was healthy? And, of course, we'll we'll get to him a bit later um, on where he's going to play next season. But I think they, they got it right, really, with the MVP for both leagues. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it was a slam dunk. I mean, you looked at the numbers that both Otani and Acuna put up this year. I mean, again, Acuna, 40-70. We haven't ever seen that or – if we have, it hasn't been it's been a long time. And obviously, um, looking at what Otani did, I mean, you couldn't it was clear cut. There really wasn't much of a debate and you kinda knew right I wanna say probably around September, maybe August, September, that the MVP was already locked down by both guys. So I think Otani locked it like very early on in the year. We were able to tell he was just running away with it. He got injured toward the end, but he had it, I think he had it locked up by the summer. I was not sure about the NL until probably a couple weeks toward the end of the season. I don't think anyone's getting 40-70 ever again. No. And and if so, it's going to be tough. Yeah. Uh, Carroll, hey, how many homers did he have this year? Like 20 and change? Yeah, he had like 25. He was, I think he was like – he was a 25-50 guy. Yeah. I, I Maybe. Maybe. I just, got a, I just got a LinkedIn message three minutes ago, an alert. Andrew, comma, do you know Anthony Hines? <laughs> Connections, baby. As we're on the right as the show started. We'll talk about that more off air. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I know there's really not too much else to say about the MVP. It was, it's been done and over with. Um, Cy Young, I, I said in the beginning of the year, everyone clowned me. I said, my three picks 
for the AL. I said, Otani's winning the MVP, Cole's winning the Cy Young. I had Volpe winning rookie of the year. Obviously, that didn't happen. He had a good year, but a lot of competition in the um, American League for that. couple of really good players. But my beginning of the year pick stood out. And the best part about the Yankees not making the playoffs is that Cole didn't have to burn himself out. Not even that. He Because obviously he has the reputation he can't pitch in the playoffs. He's had that reputation with the Yankees. At least now his season ends on the Young and he can go into next year without any offseason banter. Because if he had that great regular season and say he did blow the playoffs for us, no one would care right now. But Cole, he didn't. He didn't have to. Um, he didn't have to play. He just had to run away with his great regular season and move on to the offseason, which for him worked out better than anyone. Well, it's like they say: if you if you build it, they'll come. In this case, Scarpaggi spoke it into reality. Yeah. Here we are. I was not really surprised at all by Cole getting it. Snell, I was a little surprised about. I mean, I mean, again, he was good. I was expecting Justin Steele to even to be considered, but he didn't even make it into the final three. Obviously, ended up blowing it towards the end of the year for the Cubs. But I mean, Snell obviously well deserved as well. His second Cy Young since I believe 2018 with the Rays. So he's one of a few players to win both AL and NL Cy Young first since Max Scherzer, I believe, in, who got it in 2017 in the NL. But, yeah, I mean. I was a, the, the NL was really tough because there really wasn't any clear-cut candidate. Yeah. Because Snow was hurt for a couple starts. He only, he didn't make, I don't think he even made 30 starts this year. He probably made 28, 29. So his innings were less than everyone else. But all the pitchers that were dominant in the NL just fell off. Like you said, Justin Steele, who, had an under two ERA till like the summer at least, fin- and um, finished with three oh six. Out the snell finished at two twenty five. The next closest was Kodai Senga at two ninety eight. So there was just a huge gap, which is why he ended up winning. But like we said, in terms of innings, snow was tenth at one eighty. So it's rare to see a guy one hundred eighty innings win Cy Young. But the guys who had more innings than him just were not that great. Alcantara had a down year. Strider was really good. Then struggled toward the end. Zach Wheeler had a bounce that had, was bouncing back and forth. He was productive the whole year, but was never really dominant until the playoffs came around. Same thing with Aaron Nola. He had a down year to start. Corbin Burns got hurt when he was doing really well. Miles Michaelis had a down year. Zach Gallen um, didn't have a his ERA was pretty high. Uh, where was he? Yeah, three forty seven. He I thought it could have been Zach Gallen. And I think if, if you include the postseason, obviously he probably would have it would have been probably him or Wheeler. But I think he was the right pick just because despite his low innings, he had the most consistent dominance when he was on the mound from the beginning of the year all the way to the end and gave the Padres a shot to come back when they were had an under 500 record almost the entire year, where he's like almost 10 games out of the playoffs roughly the last month. And his starts were what kept San Diego in it for the final week and a half of the season. Yeah, I remember like that final week or so when – the Padres were like their magic number to miss the playoffs was like at the last game and they got on a little bit of a win streak and Snell played a huge part in that. And yeah, I agree with everything you guys were saying as far as that goes. Like, I don't know if there was a clear cut guy, but I just feel like he was um, the most kind of productive, the the one that probably deserved it the most. Obviously there was Steele and, and a few other guys, but some guys too who we were expecting. I thought it was going to be Strider like most of the Strider, year. Strider was probably the guy there along with Snell um, for me who could have won it. 
But there were also, as you mentioned, the guys who we expected to be there that kind of had down years like Alcantara. And so that was a little bit unexpected, but I think Snell's definitely one of the guys that deserved it. And Garrett Cole, Andrew, I, I know you made that prediction right again, of course, but he absolutely deserved as well. He was, you know, even as the season was starting to wind down, you could tell the Yankees were kind of running out of steam. He, he kind of kept them afloat a little bit. You know, obviously he was really the most consistent Yankee pitcher for sure. Um, you almost got to wonder too, as you mentioned with the whole playoff thing, if as the season was winding down and it looked less and less like the Yankees were going to make the postseason, if that kind of took some pressure off him almost, and he was able to go out there and still perform uh, his best game and bring his best stuff to the table. But I feel like this one, this one was a little bit tougher for the Cy Youngs, but I don't disagree with it necessarily either. No, well, side note, Blake Snell also led the league in walks this year at 99, yeah. which I don't think we've ever had a guy win a Cy Young while leading the league in walks. But I kind of – part of me wants to give credit to Gary Sanchez for tearing him around a little bit, which is surprising to say. Snell did not have a great start to the Gary year. Gary Sanchez would have been perfect for the Yankees this season. He was actually good this year. He was, he was never bad offensively, but it was that – Mental he couldn't catch or call games a lot. He yet. couldn't call games. He had a great arm. He always threw guys out, but he, he the pass balls were an issue. But I was upset when the Yankees got rid of Sanchez because I I always had faith in him. Yeah, Obviously, a... two years ago, the Yankees had the best catching combo in baseball, probably at, um, when it was uh, Sanchez or Romine. No, no, no. After that, this um, Higashioka and, and Trevino. This year, they both sucked offensively. They were both off. Last year, they were both great. So it looked like a good thing when we got rid of Sanchez. And because I had no faith in Hickey, he never showed us anything in the years prior. Trevino, I never even heard of before until we got him. And then he ends up winning platinum glove. Hickey had a great offensive season. They both split time, worked with the pitchers very well. This year, they were, they kind of both just fell flat. Hopefully, at least one of them has a bounce back year. We need a catcher that can hit Gary Sanchez. But I, I didn't like that trade. I mean, I know we were talking way past this as years ago, but Gio Rochella and Gary Sanchez would have been much better to have this season than Jose Trevino and Josh Donaldson. I mean, looking back at that just quickly, obviously, is I remember we got into a huge argument on the air about that, like I believe when that trade broke. I just remember not. I was not defending Gary at all. Like, well, because you were a huge Donaldson fan. Yeah. Well, well, besides the fact that huge Donaldson fan at the time, but like also just Gary had sucked up until the last like year or so. He really didn't. And then he had he had a stop and he had one down year. Offensively, he had one down year. I guess all it took was going to San Diego to figure things out again, and he he turned Snell around from being. And I'm not going to say Snell was a mediocre pitcher to begin the year, but he was not good to start the year. Then they brought Gary in, and Gary was able to find something in Snell, and obviously here we are talking about an NL Cy Young. Gary Sanchez, gold glove at some point in his career. Well, let's not get, let's not get too far. He'll get one. He'll we'll sneak see. one in. Be tough considering the uh, catchers in the league. Yeah. How many how – many Great. You have Ramudo, who's aging. Ramudo, you have Will Smith. 
I mean, obviously there's Sanchez if he stays in the NL. How many good catchers are there in the NL? Wilson Contreras if he's healthy. Uh, Jacob Stallings. A decent amount. So it, I don't think it's impossible. It, no, it's not. It's it will live in long shot. He'll get one. It's tough, but. Mark this right now. Gary Sanchez will win a gold glove before his career ends. All right, there we go. There's the prediction of the day. <laughs> if we had a calendar, we'd be playing it right here. <laughs> Moving on to Rookie of the Year, Gunnar Henderson and Corbin Carroll. I don't really think you can. No, these were these were slam dunks. I mean, Baltimore and, and Arizona, two teams that no one expected. I, I thought Baltimore would have a bounce back year. I didn't think they'd be the best team in the league. But I, I figured Baltimore would be a borderline playoff team. They've been on the come up year after year. Diamondbacks, I had no faith in, as we all know from the beginning of the year till the very end. Corbin Carroll was going to run away with that in the beginning. But I, 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 I wanted to see Volpe win because I enjoyed watching him day in and day out. People saying that he should be traded now, or people saying he was struggling then. I thought they were out of their mind. I he was one of the he was one of my favorite players to watch on the Yankees last year. But um, I think he, he's going to have a great career. But Henderson definitely had the better season. I mean, you look at what uh, Henderson did for Baltimore. Um, like you were saying, I thought that the Orioles would be a playoff team, maybe like a one or two seed in the wild card, possibly. Yeah. I'm thinking, all right, the Rays are going to be the Rays to go win the division, or maybe will win the division, depending on how the year was going to go. Obviously, it was unprecedented. They won 101 games, and, you know, Obviously, a loss in the division series, but they still won the division, and Henderson played a huge role. And then for Diamondbacks, I I was high on them since the trade deadline, even even before that. And Carroll was doing things that we hadn't seen in a while, or if at all. So I'm not I'm not surprised by the rookie of the year picks at all. I think the committee guy completely right. It was without question. I mean, especially considering the our candidates um, that were up for the award. I agree. I think for Carroll, too, of course, the Diamondbacks started off red hot, and he was kind of the main catalyst of that. And that's when Andrew started to say, well, here come the Dodgers. Obviously, they're going to fall back to earth a little bit, which, which they did. Carroll got hurt. I think that was actually against the Mets, and they started to fall off around that time. But, of course, kind of that surge to get back there, and he came back and kind of led them. I absolutely think – um, he deserves this one. Obviously, there were other guys in the NL, too, who, who made a case, but I think Corbin Carroll was just the favorite and the winner. And then the AL, kind of the same thing, but Gunnar Henderson playing, of course, a, a big part for for the Orioles, too, who were expected to be solid, possibly, probably, maybe a, a playoff team, kind of right around the cusp, but they they really dominated from start to finish, basically of course, in kind of that two-team race for the division. And he played a huge part in that. So another one that I really don't have any gripes with either of the picks for this award. Where, how, do you think either of them will, I don't know, I'm not going to say Hall of Famers, but what kind of careers do you think they're, I think Corbin Carroll is going to be one of the greatest players in the game for years to come. Gunnar Henderson, I, I could see him having a sophomore slump. I think he'll be a productive player. But I don't, I don't see the star power in him, though. He did have 28 homers in Baltimore, which is not a small, not a big ballpark. It's big now in areas, uh, especially that left field area, where it, 
is impossible almost to hit home runs there. Yeah. So it, it is Trying very impressive. Judge in the ballpark for him to. It's very impressive for that. But he'll be a piece of that Orioles team. Like I think the Orioles have about a four or five year window where they could win a World Series, and I think he'll be a part of that. I don't know if he's a franchise player. I think Corbin Carroll is for the Diamondbacks. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I agree with that. I think he's going to do. I don't want to say maybe Luis Gonzalez s type things for the Diamondbacks, but I think he's going to be a lot to the organization. I think I would not be surprised in the next couple of years if Arizona possibly wins World Series. I'm not saying that it's going to be easy, considering you know they, but but they do have their core group now has experience. The NL is just stacked with talent. Yeah, but although Anthony does have the script. So, especially the Diamondback script. Yeah, I mean, I had the script up until the World Series, and I could have fully had the script had I not switched from Rangers in five to Diamondbacks in six. But besides the point, I think Arizona is – I think the Snakes are going to really thrive. And they also they also traded for Eugenio Suarez a few days ago. I think that's going to help that team a lot. If he's if he's healthy a whole year and gets back to some of his Reds ways with the power, I think he's got the chance to do it. That that the Eugenio Suarez he never really got the full attention he deserved because he would his prime was during an era of a great third base class in the NL. Yeah, Nolan Arenado, Anthony Rendon, uh, the Braves. I'm blanking on who they had at that time, but he um, that was just a solid there was about five mvp candidates all like nl third baseman for like a two or three year stretch so i think eugenio suarez he's a player that not a lot of people know about but they should especially the casual baseball fan because he played on the reds when they were bad now the reds were good he was hurt the last couple of years so he never really did anything with teams that were going anywhere but i think he's a player that if he can be in the right place at the right time his name will be talked about a lot more on the national level and he started out with the Tigers, too. Not a lot of people know that. I actually didn't. There you go. <laughs> I remember him as Red. That's, like, yeah. when I remember him. As. I feel like I might have known that, but, like. Yep. I feel like a lot of people started with the Tigers the that people forgot about. I mean, a lot. Seems like Detroit puts out a lot of good players. I can't, I, I can't believe Flores, they didn't win the World Series. Well, During that early they, 2010s. Well, they had a rotation that had. Scherzer, Verlander, and Price, Price and, and Porcello. Yeah, if four Sion winners on one team. That's unbelievable. And and, and Anibal Sanchez as well, who won yeah. the ring with the Nationals afterwards. Yeah. Man. Manager of the year. Um, I did not think the Skip Schumacher pick was it. I think it should have been Tori Lavolo. Lavolo. Yeah, I was surprised that Tori Lavello wasn't even in the final three. Like, that was surprising to me. I, I mean, obviously Skip took the Marlins to the to the playoffs for the first time, and however, not counting COVID, but and I think eighty four wins was like their highest, <laughs> which is a while. I mean, that franchise has only made the postseason three or four times in their entire you know history. So it's I mean it's not surprising that this was the pick, but at the same time it. It also was surprising because it was like, really? That's that's the guy. And then for uh, AL, I I kind of agree with it. I mean, you turn around an 83 win team into 101 wins. I mean, granted, 
the same argument could be made about Bruce Bochy, obviously winning a World Series in his first year with the Rangers. But yeah, it's only regular season, though. Yeah, I think yeah. If you look at regular season, I think Hyde is the not only the deserving pick but the easy pick for this. Yeah, not only did he kind of help them get back to the playoffs, as you said, he brought them to a hundred plus wins. Yeah, and obviously things didn't go great in the playoffs, but you know made made them like a really competitive and dangerous scene now for the next several years. And then looking at the NL Schumacher, like I, I kind of understand it. Of course, the Marlins, he, he obviously played a big role here in helping the Marlins get back to the postseason and have a solid season. But like, I, I think Tori Lavola, what he did with, with uh, the Diamondbacks, of course, people like, like Andrew weren't expecting. And even myself going into the season, I wasn't expecting you know, what ended up happening or even necessarily a playoff berth. I thought they could be somewhat competitive, but to have a season like that and then, of course, keep it going into the World Series, um, I, I think he probably should have won. And there's a, a few other guys you maybe can make the, the case for as well. I feel like NL was maybe a bit more up in the air. A lot of people, like, um, it's like Tom, he had the Rangers World Series pick very early on in the year. I think that's why... Bruce Bochy really wasn't in the consideration. I didn't expect Texas to be them yet. I thought they were a couple of years away. So I understand why people go to Shuman Bochy, but I think the reason no one picked Bochy is because there were enough people that expected the Rangers to be very good this year. And in terms of and the fact that they almost lost it at the very end, it, I think that's definitely the bigger part. I think if a team has a terrible beginning, and then as a great finish, a manager of the year award is more likely to be one than a team that is great the whole year and then barely sneaks in at the end. I think that hurt them because if the vote comes in at the end of the regular season, the Rangers had a really bad stretch, and that's the last thing on the voters' mind. Obviously, it should be a full 162, but you're always gonna it's always gonna be where what what's happening right now. Yeah. Um uh, talk um I think we talked a little bit about Gold Glove and Silver Slugger last time. Wasn't really too many things that surprised us. Um, it, it wasn't. There weren't like a in past years. I feel it's like, oh, this is like a must-win award for a certain guy. There really, there wasn't a lot of like attention around these awards this year. Probably just because you had a lot of you had a lot of guys win it for the first time, which was interesting. But there weren't a lot of blowaway picks. Arenado not being in the third base conversation. That. That's what took away the conversation. No one Arenado not being in the in the Gold Glove conversation took away from every all any other Gold Glove talk that would have happened because that was the biggest story. Not who won, but who didn't. And on top of that, that ends his uh, string of what was it? Nine straight. Ten. Ten. He won every year of his career from twenty thirteen. That's to unbelievable. Last year. Not surprising necessarily. And he won but... six straight platinum gloves going into this year. Yeah, no, it's not surprising considering how terrible the Cardinals were this year, which. I mean, he, that, he always won it with bad Rockies teams, though. Yeah. He always won. <laughs> he played on the Rockies. He just this year just something with something in the St. Louis water wasn't cooking, <laughs> and because of that, he didn't. He really didn't play well. Goldie wasn't good. It, it was for the Cardinals was just a disaster this year. There's just nothing else to say. But and obviously they made additions now, but we'll get into that eventually. And now the offseason talk. All right, Brady, take it away. So the Mets, of course, 
let go of uh, Buck Showalter right at the end of the season, right on like the last day or two of the regular season. I think it seems like that decision mainly came um, with David Stearns coming in and kind of wanting to do his own thing. I personally would have liked to hold on to Buck, but I, I trust – I don't know why I'm still saying this, but I, I trust our guys <laughs> to make the right decisions. Um, and then, yeah, there were, of course, some names thrown out there. Craig Council, one of the main ones. Um, and then he kind of announced he was going to make his decision, and all of a sudden – uh, I think the Mets were one of the finals. It was either the Brewers or the Mets, and then, of course, the, the team he ended up going to, maybe a little bit of a last-minute surprise, but the Mets end up going with Carlos Mendoza, the Yankees bench coach, which, interesting choice. I mean, I I don't love it. I don't hate it. I feel no one like, to expect yet. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Like, you, you got to see what happens, of course, too. Um, with the Mets kind of having the down year last year, they're looking to to add to their roster in somewhat of a big way, possibly, um, you know, going after a few big names. But um, one, once that's all said and done, once the season starts, uh, is when we'll really get a fair judgment of him. Um, it was kind of stunning because at first I was like, you know, who is this again? Like the, the Yankees bench coach, but um, – like I said, don't don't hate it either, and and you know, just gonna wait to see what happens. I guess I can tell the Mets are trying to kind of move away from the old school because the difference is thinking that too. You look at I I think Buck Walter is a much better manager than Aaron Boone, but I think if you're looking at it from a baseball perspective, the reason the Yankees haven't let Boone go yet, in my opinion, obviously I don't know, I'm not in the organization, but from if I had to guess. Boone's not really running the show. They have people upstairs that do. And the analytics department apparently is terrible. Cashman said it. He said we're not very analytically driven. But it's, I, I think it's true to an extent. The analytics team sucks, but they are and that, but they are the ones calling the shots. Because if Aaron Boone was the one in charge of every little thing, he'd be gone by now. And I think the reason the Mets let Buck Showalter go is because he was running the show like he's always been since he's been managing since the 80s. And I think that's why the Mets got rid of him is because they want to change the way things they're doing. If they are doing it, it's like it's tough to say if he's the if he's the reason they're at fault. I think the English probably get rid of Aaron Boone and move on. I don't think he's necessarily a, I don't think he's a terrible manager, but I it's no one knows what's going on. With the Yankees, they are everyone's all over the place. Cashman says Boone's doing a great job, and then he says the analytics team is horrible. They hire an outside crew to take over the analytics there to review them. But there's, that's why Aaron Boone's staying is because he, it, there is nothing he's doing right or wrong. Maybe some of the bullpen decisions at the last minute, but I mean every manager is going to get um, whacked for those every once in a blue moon. Even Joe Girardi, especially his time with Philly. But with Buck Showalter, it's easy to say what went wrong and what didn't because of him. You know what he's doing. He's been doing the same thing his whole life managing. So it's easy to say, okay, he did it this way. We want to do it this way. With Aaron Boone, he's just kind of being, he's just sitting there like a duck. It kind of like a puppet show. And with, with, with Boone, at least, and with the Yankees front office, they're, they're just a discombobulated mess because Cashman's saying one thing that, like, you know, our guys are great, like, you know, like trying to praise them to keep them riled up. And then Hal just comes on and just says, we suck. Like, 
all right, you guys aren't even on the same page. Like, how are you going to make this work? And with, with the Mets, I mean, Mendoza's grand. You don't know what you're going to get out of him, new manager coming in, but he does have a little bit of experience for every uh, time Boone got ejected, which was plenty. But I think I think Mendoza's going to be. I don't know if that really counts. Yeah, I'm <laughs> an asterisk for you. But I, I think get ejected a, a good amount of times. So. I think he'll do a solid job. I think. I mean, it, it's ultimately going to come down to how the players round uh, uh, round together with them. And really, how if they enjoy playing for him and want to, you know, what I'm saying they like it's the camaraderie that they're trying to really put together and see how well it'll gel uh, there in Queens. And of course, they already brought in someone that I'm sure Mendoza is a bit familiar with. Last night, when they signed Luis Severino, they also signed Joey Wendell. So, not not quite. Um, like a big splash or anything, but the Mets trying to uh, make a few moves here early on in free agency to shore up some some spots maybe with some holes last season. I don't know why Mets fans are so upset about the Severino deal. Like worst case scenario, he gets hurt and he's not that great, but it's yeah. one year, thirteen million. It's but best case scenario, he could be a, a solid two to three starter. Yeah, he, he could, which for he thirteen be. million, like I'm not saying he's gonna. Win Cy Young, but he could put up the production of a thirty mil a year of a thirty mil season if he if he stays healthy the whole year, pitches hundred and eighty innings, has an ERA low to mid threes. You know he's going to strike out over two hundred guys if he if he stays healthy. That's worth much more than thirteen million. The only reason he didn't get more is because he had a down year. He's had injury issues. He's had um, Tommy John. I think he was out for like a year and a half, like yeah, before COVID, after COVID, a bit. So again, you don't. Again, he might not be great. It might be a waste of a signing, but for thirteen million, he's got the potential to be a, a solid two to three starter. It's it's a mixed bag gamble, but I think it could pay off. Really he's been well an ace for the Yankees. There's no reason why. Like I want to see him do well in Queens. I want to see him do. I don't want to see him win a World Series, but I would love to see him. <laughs> I would love to see him do really well, and for both of them now they can they sign new teams. They don't even have to move houses. Yeah, last year, though, as you were mentioning, 6.65 ERA, 4 in the negative 1.5 war. So not his best season, but I, I agree. I think, you know, it, it could have been a worse deal and, you know, a worse signing. But I, I want to see what he's got, and hopefully it pays off for us. But um, like Mendoza, only time will tell. I think it's a good deal for both sides because $13 million is enough money to say he has a terrible year and never gets anywhere near that again. He should have enough money to set himself up for life or he puts a gamble on himself. He could have probably signed a four year deal, maybe averaging five, six mil a year. But now if he has a great year, he could get a hundred million dollar deal. If he has, if he has a, but if he has the year that I predicted that I think he has a shot as long as he stays healthy and in, in Queens, he definitely, he had a home run issue. He's not going to be getting up as many home runs there. Because he is a little bit of a fly ball pitcher. He has that problem a little bit. But he strikes guys out too. It's the same thing. Hitting and pitching is the same art. You either, you're either you either a contact hitter who puts the ball in play or you're a fly ball hitter who hits home runs and strikes out a million times. Same thing with fly ball pitchers. They give up homers, but they strike everybody out. Derek Cole, same thing. It's the same art. It's, it's either you're uh, Luis Sarizer or Joey Gallo. <laughs> or anywhere in the middle. Anywhere in the middle. <laughs> but you're trying to strike guys out. You're throwing fastballs up high. Yeah, the ones that get hit are going to be crushed. 
triple deck. Oh, I'm excited for that. <laughs> it's going to hit the Coca-Cola sign out there. <laughs> it's going to break the dome that gets put in a few years. <laughs> so much for your new screen. <laughs> going to hit it off the new soccer stadium that they're putting in. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, yeah, they are putting a new soccer stadium. Yeah, I think NYCFC or the the New York. Yeah, they're yeah, because they play at like both City Field and Yankee Stadium, so they're I guess they're finally getting a new stadium right next to City Field. Yeah, fair enough. They're all they're still gonna be playing on Yes, though. I think, right? I think, I think but yeah, also think like you right. guys probably saw Steve Cohen's like big plan around City Field with like the parking and like I think a casino and like yeah, I did see that. That so. Oh, there's got to be other stadiums that are like that, though, like entire community. In like entire communities around the stadium. I know the Oakland. I went to um different sport obviously, yeah. but Gillette Stadium with the Patriots, and they have like a whole almost like mall thing, like connect. Well, Tor- Toronto's cool because they have the hotel in the stadium, yeah. so you can watch it from the hotel room. In Baltimore also, yeah, got Baltimore. the uh, the warehouse. Yeah, just like so- yeah. Plus they have that like strip of stores, which is like in the stadium but not in the stadium. Yeah. And there's also the warehouse with San Diego as well. <laughs> That's cool, though. And Fenway, like right smack in the middle of the city, too. A lot of like they kind of built that up around there as well. Yeah. Well, Philly's really cool because you have the Wells Fargo Center, and then where the um, Lincoln. Yeah, you have where the 76ers, Eagles, and Phillies play on the same block. Yeah, the fun. You can go to three games in one day. We got to do that. <laughs> It'll be live from uh, the Arizona pool. I've been over the, it's, it is really <laughs> so cool because I've been to the Eagle Stadium for some lacrosse tournaments, and like the whole area is just cool. Don't like any of the teams, but <laughs> it's it's definitely like a cool experience. Well, that's what I've noticed. I think in terms of like the Eagles and Phillies, like when the Phillies were in the playoffs, there might have been like a, a day where they both played or like a weekend. Well, yeah, it would have to be a preseason basketball game. Yeah, it would have to be a playoff baseball game, a preseason basketball game, and a regular season NFL game. That would be the only three times that they would be playing on the same day. We probably wouldn't be able to stay for all three games, but just to be in the stadium at some point while all three games are going on. One of us goes to one of us goes to a different game each, and we call it. I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know if I'd be able to take those fan bases though. I might have to. But if you, I was going to say, if you think about it, you have the New York split fan bases. Half of them hate Boston. Half of them hate Philly. Yeah. Because you have the um, Rangers, Knicks, Yankees, and Jets who hate the Patriots, Celtics, Bruins, and um, – Flyers? No. No. Uh, what am I – I said Bruins, uh, Patriots. Eagles. Yeah, Bruins, Patriots, Celtics. I, I keep missing one. Eagles? Red, no. Red Sox. Boston. Boston. Red Sox. Uh, uh, Red Sox, right? Yeah, yeah Red yeah, Sox. Yeah. And then you have the Mets, Mets, Islanders, and Giants. Giants fans who hate the Eagles, Phillies, Flyers, and 76ers. Did I say them twice? No. Okay, I said so. all four. I'm pretty sure. Oh. Yeah. Oh, your point, your point gets oh, wait, we get your point. <laughs> but I'm split, though, because I'm Yankees, Jets, Rangers, and I'm, Nets. I'm kind of split. I, I just hate all the Philly teams. Obviously, Mets, Giants, Islanders. But I also obviously hate the Bruins and the Celtics. 
Red Sox and Patriots, I'm okay with, I guess, just because Patriots. Yeah. I mean, I'm, a, I'm okay with the so two I'm okay with are the um, the Eagles and the Phillies. Look, you're you're fans of different teams. What do you expect, guys? <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's the Mets moves. <laughs> On to the Yankees, where there's conversations of Juan Soto, Cody Bellinger, and Yashunobo Yamamoto. Just say Yamamoto. <laughs> don't, don't, don't embarrass yourself. But I mean, I've been seeing a lot of the, the trade rumors for Soto. A lot of it's been talked about with Dominguez and Volpe's name coming up. I'm not ecstatic with that. Honestly, I'd rather sign Bellinger, sign Yamamoto. Uh, take a chance on uh, going for Snell than trade for Soto. Because here's the thing. You can give up half your farm for Soto. And he's a rental. He's a rental for one year. His agent's Scott Boris, so we know that he's not going to be a locked-up guy. He's going to go a free agency. He's, he's not great defensively. We already have problems defensively in the outfield. He's terrible room. defensively. I mean, he'll be our left fielder, but he's a, he's a mediocre left fielder. His bat's great. Again, I think he's – if, he, if he hits, yeah. I, I think he would, but again, I, I think Soto's slightly overrated. I think I think he's a great player, top ten player, but I think he's been in the top five conversation for too long. I don't really I've never really had him in that top five. I think ten to fifteen is where I cap him out at. So I think the Yankees would give up too much for him. And if he does hit sixty home runs, great. But if he has a I think he'd have a minimum probably nine hundred OPS here, but for a 900 OPS season and mediocre defense, I think we'd be giving up too much for him because apparently they want Volpe and Dominguez. I would not give up Volpe. I wouldn't want to give up Dominguez. I Because if you don't re-sign Soto, then who is our left fielder the year after? It's going to be, then we'd either have to sign someone for a huge amount of money. I think giving Dominguez another year to develop himself is what we need. I think. So I'd be willing to take the chance on Dominguez if it's one for one, maybe throw in a mediocre pitching prospect. But I would not want—I would not give up Volpe under any circumstance, and I wouldn't want to give up more than Dominguez if I even—if we're even doing that. Yeah, I've been seeing the main names that I've been seeing in the trade rumors for Soto have been Volpe, Dominguez, Clark Schmidt, and Everson Pereira. Clark Schmidt has had many chances to prove himself in the majors. He's—he's he's, obviously when the Yankees had injury problems, the rotation—he was our fifth starter. He was all right. He was a good middle relief guy, but he never really had a stretch of time where it's like, okay, this guy needs to be in the majors now and stay. It's like, okay, he was, he, solid in the second he was good at times we needed him and okay at times where he was the best we had. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't be, I feel like Dominguez and Clark Schmidt would be overbuying, but that would be, I think that would be, I, I'd be okay with that maybe if Dominguez does, or if Soto does great. But I, I, I don't think that's the move for the Yankees. I think Soto is, Especially since he is the biggest trade guy out there right now, I think if there were if there was a lot of good players, I would say okay, maybe we could sneak by. But since he represents the market, he he Juan Soto is the trade market right now. He's going to set that ball. If another team trades up for another outfielder with another team, then whatever that team gets, then the Yankees will have to give up ten times more. So if the Yankees make this trade, it's got to be fast because once another team sets the trade market by. Overbuying for a mediocre player, the San Diego is going to shoot the moon to get Soto. Yeah, yeah, and I feel like for the Yankees, as you were saying, Andrew, it's 
kind of like tough as far as what you're going to give up for them with, of course, you young prospects slash, you know, rookies. We already have Stanton. We already have Stanton. Um, You're stuck with Stan. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Stanton can play a little off, but I think people, mm, no, I think people, no, his legs. he can't, I mean, he's not making the diving catch. He's never going to make another diving catch. In his you're, career. you're lucky if I you can get, you just got to hope they, they hit it right at him. He has a great arm still, but he, he can he can play the he can play the outfield more than people give credit for because he did play a lot of games. when Judge was out last year he played a lot of the outfield and he that was when he was staying healthy the most when he was playing DH was when he kept getting hurt the most he's got cinder blocks tied to his feet <laughs> I think he I can't think run, yeah he can't run we all know that he's the slowest guy in baseball at this point literally but I think Bellinger's the move I think Cody fits the Yankees uh, Aaron Donald could probably beat him in a race. Anyone can be in that race. I can, I can beat him on a skateboard. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think Bellinger's the move. I, uh, short porch, Yankee Stadium, left-handed bat, a guy that could easily win NL uh, or AL MVP if he comes over next year, if he can do what he did this year and more. And I think, again, I'd rather, in, in my opinion at least, I'd rather sign a guy to like a five-year, $120 million deal or whatever Bellinger's but doing. I suppose giving up the future and high talented prospects again, like Volpe, like Dominguez, for a rental. Volpe's not a prospect anymore. He's a proven major league player. You know what I'm saying? The main thing I'm trying to say is that I'm not giving up yeah. potential greatness for a rental. But here's the problem with Bellinger, though. It's I think I, I would rather get Bellinger than Soto because I think it would be a better deal for long term. But can Bellinger give us five years? I don't know. He might have a couple really good years, but then it could turn into a Stanton part two, three years from now. As is, you got to figure out what to do with Stan anyway. That's what I'm saying. If Stanton's gone in, he's got, he still has like five years left. And then no trade clause on top of that. So oh, even, if gonna, we wanna, I mean, even if we want to trade him, one, no one's going to want to take on that contract. And two, even if they did, Stan wouldn't wave his trade. Clause. I think he would. You think so? I I, I, I feel like it depends on the team. Then. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm saying I don't I don't I think if, if he's offered a way out, I don't think he wants to deal with New York anymore. I mean, just see what his agent said in response to Cashman. But that was different though. That was in response to what he said about. Well, no, well, yeah, I see what you mean because that was in response to Cashman basically saying that he's injured. That's part of his game. We just expect yeah. it. And, and the sad thing is that agent is the same agent oh, uh, yeah, for Yamamoto. And so he, he kind of so said that it. doesn't that that kind of rubs some salt. Well, that that was the point you're trying to make. He said, "Hey, be careful what you say because remember, if you want these other guys, I'll make sure you don't." Yeah, but, but it's no secret though. Everyone knows playing for the Yankees, you're going to get slandered for every little thing. Like I don't know why anyone's acting like this is a shock. No, you gotta be made of like steel to play here. So I mean. You remember when Stan was first traded here? Like he went over five with like five strikeouts, and everybody booed his butt for like a week. Like even when he started hitting, we we're still booing him. I thought he had a home run in his first game with the Yankees. Yeah, he was. I, I thought he, had he probably a home run had like a first, he probably had like a one home run, and after that, it was just strikeout after strikeout after strikeout, and everybody was like, "He can't play here." And. You know, he had an okay. I think he had a good year his first year, and then he's never that. really. But again, he again, all offensively, similarly to who was I making this point before? Sanchez. It's like yes, he's hurt. Yes, he struggles. But overall, when you look at his season numbers, he's never had a bad year. Like even like other than this year, where he but even this, this year he had stretch of time where he was good. Is 
He was also this just, year, he, he was, was just played by injuries. Yeah, yeah, but his lowest OPS any season with the Yankees outside of this year was 759, which is not that bad. He only had one full season with that one and a half, 2021 and 2018. But it's a matter of, again, I'm still high on Stanton because I think he could have a fully homer season. If you use him properly, I, I think it was uh, Brandon Tierney who was saying this on the fan um, last week. He was saying, don't platoon him full time, but for the time being, have him pinch hit. So he was, oh, we can't have a pinch hitter making 30 million a year. Well, it's a matter of why have him on the roster. That was the conversation. It was a conversation of, do you just cut him? I think anyone saying just cut him is dumb. There's no reason to do that because he can hit still. He will give you good production. And yes, when he struggles, you can set him down. Hopefully he'll stay healthy. And then when, as he pinch hits, he'll get a couple home runs, bring him back. I think there's ways to use him where you can use him properly and he'll be efficient and make his contract worthwhile. Yeah, I don't think you cut him. I think I think that is, like you were saying, I think that's stupid. Uh, they just need to find a way to utilize him more. If anything, I mean, I get he had to be forced into action more because Judge got hurt last year. But you have to be able to give him more days off, I think, and really break up his playing time, uh, split it between being in the outfield and being DH. So that way that DH spot is not constantly landlocked. Because, like, I mean, it went great. When he's stuck at DH, we suck. <laughs> There's nothing else to say. Got we and he's a liability. He can be a liability in the field, but he has a great arm. Um, can't run. It, it it's kind of a coin toss as to what they're gonna do, but they have to figure out some way to utilize him in a way that not only works for us but works for him as well. And now, what everyone wants to talk about: showing Otani and everybody else. It's. Otani up here and everybody else down here. <laughs> Basically, Otani, rest of the market. How much money do you think he's getting? Before we say where he goes, how much money do you think he's getting? Should we say years as well, or some number that doesn't exist? I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say twelve for four twenty. No, I think I think he's getting six to seven hundred million. <sighs> Oof, all right. You sure you're sober? Yeah, of course the team That's bank a bit much. And at that point, just pay him a billion. <laughs> if it... He's working. Okay, everyone got to watch the video by um, Baseball Doesn't Exist. You, I know Brady saw it. Well, and, I don't know if I saw that video, but I, I know uh, like the account. I, I've seen a ton of those videos. It's probably the that best one, but... account to like learn the sport of baseball. Yeah. Anything regards to... Beyond just the game itself, it, it has everything. And he said, no matter whether you can pay Otani $3 billion and he will be worth it from a financial standpoint. Because no matter what money you pay him, there, he's, going to make, he's going to make that money back for you between jersey sales, between um, Japanese broadcasts. There's so many ways to make money off Otani unique to every other player that despite just his play on the field, he will make you that money back no matter how much you give him. Now, yes, if you sign him, you probably can't sign anybody else. But between his play on the field and the money he'll bring you in the backstand, he's a $70 million player. Even if he doesn't even if he doesn't even play the field, even if he's hurt the whole year. Obviously he's not pitching until 2025. So no one knows if you'll ever pitch properly again. But he's at least a $35 million a year hitter. 
and I think but not when, 700 not 700 man that's a bit much for her. I mean I get I get it. no one's seen this since Babe Ruth but like I'm not Babe Ruth never even pitched and hit at the same time exactly but I don't I just can't see a team spending that much money completely screwing themselves not being able to sign anyone else and thinking that they can win a world series that same year just because of one guy Grant, i know he's a generational talent he can change a clubhouse like that a guy that's also you know so, somewhat hurt too you know he's gonna bring fans everywhere he goes he may bring fans but can he put but you know can he continue at this great pace he's been on for another team continue doing what he's doing and be able to you know make that contract wherever it ends i think he gets like 10 years 650. Mm, 12 I, for 420 is not i think i think the i think the the amount of years like double digit years i think is going to be correct it's just yeah. i can't see six seven hundred i can't it's i mean i can see 500 million being feasible but anything above that i feel like is like crazy like it just for for a team standpoint it doesn't make sense for, because we're looking at it from a perspective of no players ever made anywhere near that. But if he pitches and hits, that's 35 million. He's a 35 million dollar year pitcher and hitter when he's healthy. Now, granted, he's only had one full healthy season where he did both the whole year. You won MVP that year, but I, I would not be surprised if he got well over 600 million. Because when he's healthy for a full year, he's going to bring you much more than that in on-the-field production. And there's so many ways to make money around him. Japan broadcasts every game that he was in. When when he got hurt, whatever Japanese cable company it was, they cut the deal with the Angels. And the Angels lost that amount of money for the rest of the month. going to just mark that on the calendar over here. <laughs> 10, what was it, 650, I said? 650 minimum. 10, 650. Mark it right here. <laughs> With the Giants. That's my pick. San Francisco. Right. The Giants were willing to give Judge Arson, and. Arson Judge. Arson Judge, yeah. <laughs> they were willing to give Judge and Correa $400 million, who both had injury problems and who they're only one style player. They hit and they play the field. This guy pitches. He will bring broadcasts all over the world. Yeah, I think the money that what you're saying. I think he's worth two hundred and fifty million more than Judge. At that rate, the owner might as well just give him all his money and just say, "At this point, right. have him run the organization." <laughs> yeah, just give him like Wait, Caleb Williams. A Caleb Williams? Yeah, for the NFL. He's like, oh, I want to have some. I want 1% of the team. No, no. No one's going to give him that. No. He's not even ranked in the top 25 right now. I think I think he'll get 12 for 420 with the Giants. I think I think that he's more than 35 million a year. I just think that that's the logical. Not well, not only just the logical, but I think that's going to be the deal. So you want him going to the Giants too? Yeah, I think San Francisco's the fit. Although I will say uh, uh, two sneaky teams would be either the Red Sox or the Mariners, but I think he ends up being a giant. I, I want to say don't count out the Yankees yet, but I have no faith. No, they'd rather trade our future away for Juan Soto for a year as opposed to go for Otani. 
But even then, I don't think Otani would want to play here. Yeah, I agree with you guys on the teams. I think the Giants are one of, if not the kind of top team. I you mentioned the Red Sox. I I don't see it. I my I my know. picks is Giants, Dodgers. I, I think probably the West Coast still like Giants or Dodgers. Unfortunately, that just feels so boring. But I mean, it's probably I think if he does go to, I think if he does go to the East Coast, he probably goes to the Yankees. I mean, I think it ends up being a West Coast team, but we've also seen the Cubs have been very aggressive towards Otani. Whether or not that happens, <laughs> I doubt it. But yeah, and then for the money, I actually think it's kind of somewhere between the numbers you guys are saying. I think I maybe lean a little bit more towards um, Anthony's, but I'd say what's like the maximum you think five hundred something? Five. 510, 520 maybe? It's probably the max I'd go. For me, I'd say 600, but I I, I can't see it. I got 750 as like the max. <laughs> it's almost the uh, the all-time home run total. I think there are teams that are valued less than that. I that's, think he... Okay. That's like half the league. What, what do you mean? Nah. You know what? Let me... Let me like half the league's payroll. <laughs> Yeah, like three teams. The the Rays, A's, and like Reds combined is like not even a fraction of what that money will be. And the, and the A's will be moving to Vegas soon, so who cares? Maybe maybe he'll go to the A's and just say like, <laughs> "All right, I'll just wait until we uh we get to Vegas." The freaking Vegas A's. Big star like Otani in, in Vegas would attract a lot of new fans going into their relocation. Oh no, every team's worth a billion now. That entire stadium is gonna be yeah. Miami's worth exactly a billion. They're the lowest valued team, and I thought there was about three or four teams under a billion. Because I was gonna say I was well, I was gonna say whatever the lowest valued team is, he'll get more than that. But that's he's not gonna get a billion. Market here, he's getting a billion. <laughs> what happened? Market right here, he's getting a billion. No, I, I think I think he could. I think between seven and seven fifty. For 10, 11 years. You have to be a crazy GM to do it. No, that. you don't. <laughs> you really don't. Without without being able to improve his, your team elsewhere. But just his because he's a two he's two players in one. Yeah, no, I get the There's argument of the two players it's in one. It's an entire but... extra roster spot. Instead of paying two guys thirty five million, you pay him seventy. You can now you have another roster spot for somebody else. And you know he's going to make – even if he doesn't play, there's so many ways to make that money back. Out, and then the way he plays on the field, if you take just his career war or war by season divided by how much money he makes per year, it would still be more than every other player's ratio. Yeah, but then you screw yourself because you not only can improve the rest of your team, but on top of that, if he gets hurt, then those two roster spots are also two IL spots. Then what do you do? Then you're sitting like a dead duck. You have no other no other uh, pieces you've signed. But if there is any player to take that chance on, it's him. Right. No, I don't know. No. no As I've not. seen firsthand, no that's matter a, how question, bro. no matter how good a player is, you gotta have there's always a risk for others. No every one says there's not a risk. Every free agent signing, there's always a risk, and I think that's too big of a risk, especially if you want to not only. You want to win. You can't just sign like we've seen it before. You can't just sign one piece and just go. All right, we're done. 
well, that's what the Yankees do every year. Look where we've got. It's more like what the Mets do with Steve Cohen. Yeah, with the New York teams and in general. We sign one we sign one guy. All right, we're done. We're World Series caliber. And we end up like 82 and 80 yeah. and 77 and 85. Like, no. You got to address the whole team. One area, but multiple. All it takes is one team to take that chance. And we know that the Giants are desperate for someone to take their money. If he gets 10 years for 700, I will leave the show. Really? Okay, mark that one down. I I will leave if he gets 700. I wonder if Shohei's watching right now. Or the, the Giants. He's going to sign. One thing's for sure, and he's already made this clear, is that he's going to sign during the wear meetings. Which wear meetings start Sunday, go through the whole week in Nashville. You know the Padres. I think the Padres will offer him like $800 million. It wouldn't surprise me at all, <laughs> those Padres. What do you got, your head on fire? I, I, I don't know about that much money, but it wouldn't surprise me if the Padres just threw. Well, actually, no, they're in debt. <laughs> they have no money. Why but... do you think they're trading Soto? <laughs> they can't afford it. They took out a loan at the end of the year just to pay off a contract. If they if they did have the money, though, it they would be a team I'd look at just to be like, all right, blank check. What? How much you want? I mean, the only team that I could really see doing a blank check is the Dodgers. At this point, and, and they talked about getting not only Otani but trading for Trout as well. That's the only that's that would be maybe the only way I could see the Dodgers would become the new angels. <laughs> All of a sudden the Dodgers wouldn't make the playoffs for like a whole decade. <laughs> the, the Angels would turn into like a, a constant playoff caliber team. Artie Moreno would never be able to show his face in Los Angeles again if he traded Trap to the Dodgers. Oh, yeah. The two biggest stars that you just had and couldn't win with, then going to the Dodgers and start winning? You become like the new. uh, No, that would be be like the Mets trading Alonzo to the Yankees. It would never happen. Or the Yankees trading Cole to the Mets. It would never happen. I mean, that one just doesn't make sense. Exactly. What's the sense? That's what I'm trying, what I'm trying to make. What's the sense? Why would the Yankees trade Cole to anybody? Can you just let me make the point? <laughs> yeah. No. If something doesn't sound right to me, I'm going to say The point is, you're not trading one of your best franchise players to your rival franchise. Be like trading, if we go back in time a little bit, it'd be like trading either A Rod or Jeter to the Mets. They almost traded DiMaggio to the Red Sox. You know that story or not? That I do, yeah. Well, granted, they, they were, were both, they were both they were both drunk. Over yeah, both that. and they both and they made the, it was Joe DiMaggio oh. for Ted Williams and oh. the deal fell through. Oh, wow. That was a great deal for the Yankees. Looking back on it, because Ted Williams had almost another decade after DiMaggio of productive years. It would have been a great deal, but uh, like that was when DiMaggio was in his prime and Ted Williams was up and coming. The league vetoed it because they were both drunk <laughs> on a napkin. Uh, different times, man. Different times. Back then, probably the biggest contract was like five hundred thousand. Jamaja was the first player to ever make a hundred thousand. There you go. But then contracts went down for a few years. There was like a no, I, yeah, because there was a stretch when it was like Mantle made like probably I think Mantle was making a few hundred thousand, and then like Willie Mays was the cap for like eighty thousand for a number of years. Then Nolan Ryan got the million like ten years later. Yamamoto to the Yankees. 
I'm going to say a dark horse for him. I Eight think. years, 160 to the Yankees right now. In the next week, Yamamoto to the Yankees, eight years, 160. I think I'm smelling some smoke over here. I think he's on fire. Uh, I think, I think I'll think i be honest, as much as I'd like to see him with the Yankees, I think he ends up with the Mariners. Seattle needs a rotation guy. I think Yamamoto fits perfectly in that rotation. Do they have that money? They probably, yeah, because they, they're, they're probably they have, they, have a couple, they have a couple guys off the books now. Um, They've been linked to Snell as well. Um, Blake obviously is from that area, from the Northwest. So, yeah, I think I think either Snell or Yamamoto, I think, ends up in Seattle. I don't know if you guys saw the. Um, I think it was the Seahawks Niners game on Thanksgiving. Blake Snell like got the the crowd amped up, and they were saying like, right. "Oh, free agent this year, um, you know, from from the Northwest Seattle area," and they were hinting at him possibly going there but obviously we don't know um I really, so he's a seal fan i guess yeah he's from seattle i would have to think yeah i could definitely see him going to the mariners then i, I feel like his market's weird because it's like he's had some really good years and some really bad years i mean aaron nola set the market with a seven for 172. that's different though he signed to his old team yeah i mean he may have signed to his old team but he still set the market in motion it's not the same thing because teams are always willing to give their own guys more money than other teams would give, especially if they made like not a lot of money while they were there. Because Nola earned the Phillies a lot more money. It was it's more like back pay sometimes. Mm. Like Judge, like yes, he probably deserved that contract, and there were other teams that were willing to give it to him. But the reason the Yankees were is because he's owed he oh he was owed money from the Yankees for the previous six years. But when he was making minimum wage and two million and ten million going into arbitration. That's true. But so I, I, I think unless you sign with like – it's tough to say step the market when you sign to your old team. Nice. Snell, I, I think he'll pro- – him and Yamamoto are probably very similar because Yamamoto is younger, so you know he can play longer, but you know Snell can pitch in the majors. I have no doubt Yamamoto can. He can pitch in the majors. He can pitch in the World Series. He's been good under pressure. He's played – yeah, he, he's never – played in a huge market but he's always played on competitive teams like the Rays were good when he was he knows there. how to win yeah, Point is yeah. He and yeah like again Seattle's like it's that same kind of thing a mid-major market that he's always played in so I don't think he would go to the Yankees Mets Red Sox Dodgers Giants I think that kind of Mariners fit would be good for him I, how old is he now he's got to be at least 30 he's like 30 31 I believe when was the last time he's pitched like a I mean obviously he just won Cy Young, but like when was the last time that like from beginning to end he was the guy? Twenty eighteen. Yes, yeah. He hasn't yeah. had Yeah. Well, no, been, he did have thirty two starts last year. He's been he about he he's been about average like maybe not average, maybe a little above average. Yeah. Yeah, he's only he's never been really bad, but he's only had a couple of really good years. Yeah, he's thirty. Thirty? Yeah. <laughs> Turns thirty one. Next week, so he's so thirty-one. Basically, he's, 30. 30, he's, eight, he's thirty-one. He's signing as a thirty-one 31. going into the season. Maybe. Uh, in by the way, in twenty-eight, I say six years, one seventy. I think I I I think like maybe think six around years. there. Yeah. Okay. So we agree on this one. Yeah, I think I think it just for for a Mariner span, uh, standpoint and for him, it just it makes too much sense. And also with 2018 as well, Snow went 20 and five with a 197. 
Yeah, it's five years ago though. No, yeah, it's five years ago. That's still, it's still good though. That, okay. that was that was back when wins still mattered. <laughs> no, I won't. No, they really don't want Cy Young. No, well, that 2018, that was the year the Grom won Cy Young with like nine wins. Well, Felix yeah. Hernandez was really the first guy to make wins irrelevant because it was like 2011, 2012 when he won Cy Young. Like he went like 12 and 12 when the Mariners were terrible. He was that first guy to really win Cy Young with no wins. Right. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna say probably yeah, like six six one seventy is probably good for snow. What about you? I I'd say around five or six for kind of the, the mid one something like 160, 170. So we're all on agreement yeah, on this one. I'm like right around. Right. I, I just think it 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 makes too much sense. I mean it's the puzzle piece, if you will. The thing is I feel like Yamamoto signs with anyone but the Yankees, the Yankees would try to overspend for Snell. Like I wouldn't want to give him ten years. I think I think if you're looking at Yamamoto, it's probably about maybe eight or nine years probably 250. I, I think 250 is too much for never throwing a pitch in the major leagues. It might be, but the kid's going to have longevity. He's got the stuff from what we've seen in videos. I'd, rather, he, I'd probably he, rather he overspend on Snell than overspend on him. He's pitched to major league hitters before. Grant some, quote-unquote, because of WBC, but still. But uh, I think if he ends up with the team, it's probably going to be Eight or nine. I'd rather spend seven fifty for Otani than two fifty for Yamamoto. Uh, <laughs> oh boy! He had two MVPs. He's done. He's pitched and hit at the highest level for five years, better than almost anybody else. I think he's worth three times more than Yamamoto for a guy who's never pitched in the major leagues once. I don't think that's a ridiculous take to say he's worth three times more than Yamamoto. Oh you God. think you think Otani is worth less than twice the amount of Yamamoto? What are you, Ben Verlander? Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no way Otani is not worth at least double Yamamoto. I refuse to believe that. He is worth at least double Yamamoto, minimum. So fine, 12 years, 500. Doubling 250 is 500. Not seven hundred. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, it just doesn't make sense to me why you why you give Yamamoto this much credit, but Otani this much. It should really be a wider gap. Because he's done it for five years, both at the highest level, better than anyone else. I'm paying the guy seven hundred million. There's nothing Yamamoto is going to bring that we've never seen before. I think he'll be great, but Otani is someone that will probably an Otani level player. Is never going to happen again. I know what you're saying. I just don't feel like the teams will exactly see it that All way. All it takes is one team. How... He just has to convince one team. Look, I will make you billions and billions over the next ten years. That team's gotta be drunk. <laughs> I just, I look, I get it. generational talent, guy that we're never gonna see again. But I'm not paying. I'm not willing to pay that much, especially if I need to improve my team in our areas. But he's both. He is both areas. He's all the areas. He's the sergeant. That's great. You sign a guy who can who can be a starter and a, and you know your big he bat. Runs, he hits. Can he, he contact, can he pitch he in the bullpen? Can he close games? He's hurt. He yeah, he did close a game. 
WBC is one thing. You just you you brought it up as a point. I'm gonna bring it up. Wait, well, yeah, I'm saying that's one thing. Like you he, said, he's, he's pitched major league hitters. He's closed yes. the biggest game in that series. Yes, team. he's pitched against major league hitters, but in terms of actually facing guys, we don't know what we're gonna get out of him. That's what the point I'm saying. Tony, though, it's yes, he's already proven. You need that's what I'm saying. You Otani. don't know what you're going to get out of Yamamoto. You know what you can get out of Otani, and you know what he's going to bring. That's if he can even, you know, if he comes back in 2025 and he pitches like how he has been. Yeah. That's the biggest question mark of all, because right now you're basically signing Otani. The just, just for half, yeah. yeah right now half you're not signing potential. the $70 million guy. No, okay, okay, that's fair. Better. Okay. You're signing the thirty-five. It took us twenty guys. minutes. What is what I was trying to get at, though? You no, know, you know. Okay, I mean, uh, me, but, but you think? Okay, say hypothetically, he never got hurt in September, and he was ready to be an ace and a three spot in the lineup today. Do you think he'd be worth seventy million a year? If if he didn't get hurt and bring down his value, I think we're looking at maybe twelve for six hundred. Okay, that okay. I'll be realistic. Okay. I, I, yeah, I'd say. Okay, you know, that's okay. Now hear this out. Okay, but if you know he's okay, hurt. so because he can be that, because we've obviously his him being hurt affects that, but all it takes is one team to say he has a chance to be that. I think he. I think when he first got hurt, I said he probably did just cost himself five hundred million dollars. But I think there will be a team that will say, okay, he can bring up these numbers. We're never going to have a chance to have a guy like this again. So let's get him now. When he will be a great hitter for us next year, and then maybe will be a great pitcher and hitter again, because everyone's going to want to see it in 25 if he doesn't pitch well next year. And the fact that he would have been a $607 million guy four months ago, I don't think there, I don't think all 30 teams would say he is not anymore. I think most teams probably say no. But I think the Giants are a team that have been aggressive every year. They want to be, and I can see them giving it to him. If he did go twelve or six hundred, he'd be making fifty mil a year, just out of a uh, math. But you know, when he got injured, he cost himself at least two hundred mil. I'll be honest, because mm-hmm. again, you're now just for one year, you're guaranteed that you're just signing him as a hitter. But you don't know what you're getting as a pitcher. Had he not gotten hurt, then it would make more sense to be okay, 550, 600 type range where you're signing not only a all star caliber hitter and MVP caliber hitter, but MVP caliber pitcher and all, and Sam Ward wearing as well. That's what I'm saying. I do. All he has to do is convince one team that that's still possible. It's going to be hard to convince them, to say the least. I really don't think it will be. Only time will tell. Okay, so only time will tell. Yeah. Final picks I got: Otani to the Giants, ten years for seven hundred. Yamamoto, eight years, one sixty to the Yankees, and Blake Snell, six years, one seventy to the Mariners. And Bellinger, I'll go four years, one third. Eh, Five, yeah, four years, 135. I think he goes back to the Cubs. I'm going to say 10 years, 420 to the Giants for Otani. Uh, the six years, 170 to the Mariners for Blake Snell. I'm going to say nine years, 240 to the Dodgers for Yamamoto. And then five years, 
maybe about 135 for the Yankees for Bellinger. Uh, Otani, I'm going to say Giants as well. I've got, I'm going to say 11 years for 550. Snell, I'm going to say five years for. What'd you guys say? Because I said 170. Uh, six for 170. I was yeah. going to say, like, not too much. Wait, did we say the same thing? Yeah, we <laughs> I was going to say, like, five years for 150, probably. Um, Still a fair deal. Yamamoto. To who? Oh, Snell to the Mariners. Okay. Yamamoto. I want to say eight years. 270. I can't see giving him this much money. Let the man finish. <laughs> to, I'm just trying to. It's, it's so tough when these guys come over from like Japan. What team are you going to sign with? Why not? To the Mets. I could see it. it it's a real possibility. Um, I, I think Steve Cohen would be the only one who might give him that much money. And then. Oh, Bellinger. Bellinger, yeah, Cody. <laughs> I'm going to say three years, 140 to. No, three years, 140. Three years, 140 is a. Mm. That's 47 mil a year. That's a lot. Three years, 140 for Bellinger? Five years, 140 makes sense. I, yeah, I, what did I, I think I said. 4140. Oh, yeah. Um, you were 4130, I think. 4130, yeah. yeah. I was, Then I was 5140, I think. Something like that. Or 135. I'll say 4140. To who? To the... I think it's going to be some random team. I'm going to say, like, Toronto. I think he... I think... I can see it. Yeah, I could actually see that. I think he resolved his career, though, in Chicago after falling off with LA, and I think he has unfinished business there. I think he tries to win the Cubs World Series, then he goes wherever he wants after. I guess give him probably four years to try to win it there, and then at that point he'll be at the back end of his career. He can have fun wherever he wants. If he's still productive, pinch hitter, DH type player. But I think for now he's going to be, this is like his last stretch to really try to do something, and I think the Cubs are going to be the team that, because without without Bellinger, the Cubs are nowhere near the playoffs. So I think I think the Cubs want him back, and I think he has unfinished business there. Also, make a prediction that either Bellinger or Otani's contract will have an opt out within the first couple of years. I think more so for Otani. I think I think at least after two years for Otani's contract, there's going to be an opt out. Player or team? A player opt out. Okay. Yes. So that way, after he, you know, if he can prove that he can pitch in 2025, he can opt out and try to get more. That would be the only way I think he takes anything less than six. I think if he, I think the team. I think if a team's willing to give him seven hundred, no opt out, and I think that'd be something you would take. But I think if, you know, if, if, it's, like, if it's if it's that high of a dollar amount, there's gonna be an no opt like a full no trade. Yeah, but if it's four hundred, four fifty, something like then that, then I could see him taking. Yes, okay. Then okay. Now that deal I think would make sense. Ten years, four twenty, with an opt out after their second year. Okay, I, I that's okay. That's a deal I can see. 
And that, okay. <laughs> that in the calendar. Okay. We finally have some middle ground here. Because I'm saying there's no way Otani doesn't take that much unless there's something in it for him. I feel like there would be an opt-out in his contract yeah. regardless. So I felt not saying that I was trying to imply that the entire time we're fighting or arguing, however yeah. you want to say it. But I felt like that was it, – it's a no-brainer, I feel like. I, we don't want to go too much into it because obviously they're still about a month and a half away till the full Hall of Fame ballot gets released. Well, the ballot's released in terms of the uh, the winners get released. But do any of you guys have a couple sneaky picks that you think are going to jump the rankings and maybe possibly get in who maybe were never in conversation last year? Guys who weren't in who absolutely need to be in. Do you guys have any I have quick a, names you want to throw out there? I have a sneaky guy that I think is – I don't think it's going to get in with the next – year or two but i think it's a guy that is definitely going to jump the rankings and that is jimmy rollins rollins first year was nine percent uh last year was 12. it's a guy that he's won an mvp won a world series um played played the game with grit and was really kind of has a gold glove he's he's done a little bit of everything yeah and on top of that he's kind of set the standard for what uh a leadoff hitter is now not just the guy who can get on base and get contact, but a guy who can also hit home runs and you know put numbers up. So I think I think I think J. Roll should get some more consideration. I think he will go up higher in the uh, ballot this year. I'm not too sure as far as looking at the rankings here because you never know. And then like they come out and like people are so up in arms about them. Um, and obviously, very consistent players. I mean, I a lot of call for change. I mean, I just don't know Jimmy Rollins as a Hall of Famer, but I, I think he could be in the conversation. I definitely think he. I think he's in the conversation. He's, yeah, I just don't. I don't think he put up Hall of Fame numbers, though. I'm not saying that he's a guy who's going to yeah. be a surefire guy, but I think it's somebody. He stays on the ballot probably a couple years at least. I would say he's definitely someone who needs to have you know at least be considered. I know Brady's not too happy that uh, Chase Utley's on the ballot for his first year this year. <laughs> I was going to say, what, what do you guys think about, not even necessarily this year, but like the first year balladers or the, the guys that are up there? I mean, obviously, Beltray's a no doubter. Yeah. Should be yeah. in first, if not second ballot. I think Utley's going to, I think he's going to start out strong just considering the type of player he was. Obviously, again, World Series champion, a gritty player. Although remembered mostly for the Ruben Tejada incident at, uh, at second, but I don't know. You'll look at him. I think he'll be a guy who probably maybe gets 15, 20 to start. Maybe I, I'd say more fifteen percent of the ballot to begin, and then go from there. But yeah, I think you're looking at Beltray being a slam dunk. Yeah, Beltray for sure. I think in terms of guys who are already on there, I think Billy Wagner probably gets. I would have to think he Billy did. Wagner was going to be my pick for he needs to be in. I think he's the third best reliever all time behind Hoffman and, and Rivera. It's basically it's he's Rivera, Hoffman, and Wagner. Uh, yeah. I yeah, I think even Hoffman and Wagner is in that conversation for number two. So I don't I don't understand how Wagner is not in. Really? I think once, once, once Wagner came in, he basically he, the game was over. Like th there was no oh you know maybe we have a chance in the ninth. Nope, the game's over. It's basically pulling Randy Johnson in the ninth and him just striking out guys. I just I don't know how I just not in the Hall of Fame right now. Relievers never got respect. 
No. Yeah. Like, no. that's why I was shocked Rivera got 100%. Like, I knew he was going to be a first battle of Hall of Famer, but there were always those guys in past years that are like, relievers should not be Hall of Famers because they only pitch one inning a game. Every, once every, on average, maybe one out of three games. My only argument that is, like, then how is, like you were saying, how is Mo? Like, well, again, I'm talking like because back in the day, like, you Eckersley. Have, that's, well, here's the difference, though. Guys like Eckersley and why am I blanking on um, the guy who on the Yankees in the 70s? Uh, Gossage? Yeah. Like, they would go two, three innings at a time when they were released, so that's why they got in. But a lot of those, like, the, the single-inning save relievers, which kind of became a thing in, like, the late 80s, early 90s, those guys were never going to be into the Hall of Fame. Like, you look at, um, uh, who, who, who did I mention a couple weeks back? Um, uh, let me let me check something real quick. We haven't done a show in a while. I'm not prepared. We're a little, we're a little rusty. It's fine. <laughs> Okay, I, I, I got to check something really quick. Some Bruce Smith, he never blew a save in his career. Let me go back to I know that for sure. Let me find the number, though. Or, uh, yes, Lee Smith. Lee Smith? Yes. Yeah. Lee Smith. Never, he has, he has the third most saves of all time. 478, 478. Never blew a save in his career. It took him, like, only, it took him, like, 12 years to make the whole thing. That's crazy. He got on from the Veterans Committee. That, I was going to say that was all I thought before you said veterans committee. I thought that was back when the uh, ballot was like 15 years because there was a 15 year ballot at one point. Yeah. Before going back to going to 10 now. But that's what I'm saying. But, yeah, like Lee Smith is one of the greatest relievers ever. Never got in for many years. Raleigh Fingers, he was in because he was a starter about half his career. And then, um, yeah, Hoffman, second most saves all time. He didn't get in first ballot. It took him like three or four. So that's what I'm saying. And that's why I was shocked Mo got 100%. I knew he'd be first ballot. Obviously, greatest reliever of all time, five World Series. But I thought there was going to be, like, same thing. One one person didn't vote for Jeter. I thought Jeter was going to be the first 100%er. I'm thinking, how does anyone not vote for Jeter? And then when Jeter didn't get 100%, I said, there's no way Mo gets 100% the next year. Because someone didn't vote for Jeter, and there's going to be more people who don't vote for Mo. I was shocked when he, Marianne's my favorite player of all time. He is my favorite baseball player of all time, and I was shocked he got 100% because I knew the track record of single-inning relievers, the best of the best of them. Right. But I think Mo getting 100% should prove their Billy Wagner should be in. Yeah, without a doubt. So, and then I, and my sneaky pick, I, I think Andy Pettit. Like, again, he was, I, again, biased Yankee fan. He... He was always great his whole career, but again, he never really put up Hall of Fame numbers. But he's the, one of the greatest postseason pitchers ever. All of his cumulative statistics in terms of innings, strikeouts, wins, number one by far. Yes, the Yankees were great. Yes, he was always in the playoffs. Yes, the playoffs expanded right about the time his career started. Everything's in his favor to have that, but he still has it. And I don't think that should be taken away from him. Five, five titles. Um. He also doesn't get talked about. He also pitched in the World Series against the White Sox in 05 as a member of the Astros. Yeah. But most people obviously know him as a Yankee. And I think, if, yes, if he won it with the Astros that year. If he won it with the Astros, Astros yeah. I think yeah, he, he would. Yeah. Um, he would have been, been a six-time champion. And we're getting to talk about, like, Yogi Berra as type of rings that amount. But – yeah, let me go to these postseason career statistics real fast. Baseball. He's got, oh. he's got a ring for every finger. <laughs> but uh, wins 19 most all time. Um, okay. 
Um, still scrolling here. Jeopardy music. <laughs> Innings pitched, 276, first all-time to Justin Verlander, 226. A 50-inning gap in postseason career innings. Strikeouts, he's fourth all-time. Game started, 44 to 37, most all-time. Other than Verlander's obviously um, getting up there in all those rankings, but he's the most complete postseason pitcher of all time. Always did his job in the postseason. And I think because of, I think that should get him in. He's not a Hall of Fame pitcher if you just look at his regular season numbers. He's a great pitcher, borderline to be Hall of Fame. But I think his postseason numbers, should, there's no reason they shouldn't be in. Because he did things that no other pitcher has ever done. Yes, he's had the opportunity to do it that other pitchers didn't, but he still did it. Basically, showed up when his team yeah. played him, and he came through. And I think Rory Posada should be in that same conversation too. Like, obviously, he—I think he's a top ten catcher all time, even just on his regular season metrics. But again, his postseason metrics are the best all time among catchers for the most part. Obviously, Posey Molina's had—he's had a couple World Series. Posey had a couple. Um, Johnny Bench had a few. Yogi Berra was in. Or Yogi Berra, Yogi Berra and Bench are number one and two all time, both if you combine that, but. I think Jorge Posada was a generational talent, by far the best complete catcher throughout his years. Molina was up better defensively throughout that time, but I think Posada did more when it mattered because, yes, he was the Yankees catcher throughout that dynasty. And he was unique because not many catchers have been a part of that. So I, I, I think Posada, uh, everyone laughs at me when I say he should be in the Hall of Fame, but I think Pettit definitely should be because he actually broke the record numbers. Yeah, I think I, I agree with what you're saying there, Andrew. Yeah, I, I really don't have anything to say in opposition. I, I agree. If you're a Yankee fan, I don't see anyone who says Posada and Pettit. And pretty much that whole dynasty, Bernie Williams, well, yeah, I think yeah. all those guys should be in the Hall of Fame. Because I think I'm thinking Hall of Fame. If you can't write the history of baseball without those guys, they should be in. Yeah. Now, obviously, that's, like not a, that's not a metric that you can quantify. Yeah. But if you're writing the history of baseball, that entire Yankees team is written in that conversation throughout those years. Mm -hmm. Brady, who, did you say anybody? Not necessarily. I mean, I, I think Billy Wagner absolutely deserves to get in. Um, I, I, I agree with you on Pettit. I think he, he should be there. Um, but Pettit's the main, fighting to stay on the ballot this year. The, the main thing with me is just like, it's just so tough, especially the last few seasons with some of the, the voting and all that. And then these guys don't get in and then it comes to like a, a new like ballot thing, like the veterans or like the stuff like that, where they, they have to get those votes. And obviously a lot of people have been upset, I guess, to say the least. You guys think A-Rod can get 50% and stay on the ballot? I, I think he definitely stays on the ballot. He gets, I think the minimum is 15% for your year two. Well, he's already got like, 2025, 20, I think. I'm saying he definitely gets the minimum to stay on the ballot. In the he runs already 35.7. Yeah, he's already at 35. Okay. So I wouldn't be surprised if he jumps to 40 this year, but I, th I think I, I think, think he's gonna solid 50 to 60 percent. Yes, I think the BBWA writers are starting to realize. Like, yeah, like obviously they're it's it's starting to get to out in the old in with the new. So do I think A Rod's gonna end up in the Hall of Fame? No. But I think, you know, there are going to be writers that are going to look past, start looking past the steroids and realize, you know, I think he's he the greatest player or one of the best players of 
X, X, Y, Z time. Which obviously yeah. what she was. So I would not be surprised if he gets close in the end. I definitely think A-Rod gets in the Hall of Fame because he still has another eight years on the ballot. And we saw guys like um, Clements and Bonds who were every year they – well, actually, they went down last year, right? Because they, they were at like 60% so. and change two years ago, and then last year they had like 50 and change, right. which I was surprised about. I thought they, I didn't think they were going to get him last year. But I think A-Rock, I think, I think it's, like you said, it's going to be an up and down every year, whether which voters are in that primary conversation of who should, which of those steroid guys will get in. I think you give, I think you give any of those guys eight more years, they all get in. So I think, I think that's A-Rod's benefit is the fact that he has eight years that Clemens and Moms didn't. But I definitely think I don't think he gets in this year or next year. But I think Arod will definitely get in, and then after Arod gets in, I think the Veterans Committee by that point will probably regroup and say, "Okay, Clemens, Bonds, Sosa, maybe not Sosa, but a lot of those guys throw them in." Rafael Palmero, Palmero, and Rose are the only two players with over three thousand hits not in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I, I think especially for Arod, like you said. Still, with those eight years, I think it will take a few years, but yeah. I think eventually he should. And I think if he can get a solid fifty-five percent this year, that'll set him up to get in much faster in probably two to three years. Yeah, I was going to say you're probably looking at either year four or year five for him to get close, yeah. if not. I, yes, I think so too. And he's also granted he's also made up for it really well with working in media outside of baseball because. Uh, Hall of Fame also factors that into the type of person you are on and off the field. So, and A Rod's basically he's, he's helping his legacy now. He's been a very years. good personality on TV. Yeah, not to mention, very, yeah, he's still you know he's still a part of the the game yeah. on on TV. So I think that I well. think that helps us exactly. I, I think if you walked away with all his bad press from his years in the Yankees and then having him booted off the Yankees, but yeah, the fact that he went to ESPN now Fox, I think that'll really help him out. He's also, you know, the K Rod cast every uh, Sunday when they do games. Yeah, I still, I still like the fact that when he got cut, like the day later, we brought up Tyler Austin and Aaron Judge. It was like, all right, out with the old and with the new dynasty for however long. But you know, I oh, think Tyler Austin didn't last that long. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he got he got punched in the face by Joe Kelly, but that's fine. <laughs> that's all right. That's something memorable. The Joe Kelly Fight Club meme for like two, three years. <laughs> yeah, that was funny as hell. Um, but yeah, no, I think he'll he'll get in within I think at least the fifth or sixth year. Mark that on the calendar. <laughs> I think we all kind of agree. Uh, Brady said maybe, maybe not, but I, I think I think year six probably. Yeah, it's it's not going to be anytime soon. No, I, I said they'll get in. I just said it'll take a few years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Group calendar, the invisible calendar. Next week, I'm just going to bring a calendar for a prop and just go, ta-da. <laughs> uh. And now we get into everybody's favorite segment, the Immaculate Grid. I have not I, oh, I took a look today. It's I'm only going to be able to help with three of the nine. We got to get on the roll here. It doesn't help, I know. Oh, it helps. But... Not... Oh, I, I actually think I like this one. Yeah, I should be able to help with the teams, but for the others, it's going to be on you guys because I don't know too much. Uh, here it is. You guys see it? Yep. yep. Perfect. So Reds and Cubs, Nick Castellanos. Yeah, that's the first guy I was thinking of too. Uh, let's see. Dodgers, Reds. Oh. Uh -huh. 
I had a guy in mind and I just lost it. Ryan Sandberg for 40 doubles. That's the first guy coming to my mind, Ryan Sandberg. There's got to be probably better players. Uh, uh, Reds and A's, Sean Doolittle. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot he he was a Red. Probably going to be up there a little bit. Oh, no. three. I, I don't. I don't remember him really as a red. Yeah. You know, you you remember him more as a nat and a, uh, a. Yeah, a, yeah. I feel like Dodgers red should be easy. Those are two of the oldest teams in baseball. Yeah, uh, I'm struggling. I think of a either a guy that you know doesn't matter. Did Logan Forsyth ever play for the Reds? I've. I don't. I I haven't <laughs> heard that name. Did I just stump so- you. <laughs> I know he played for the Dodgers. I just can't remember if he played for the Reds. Uh, Corey Knebel never played for the Reds. Uh, I know Mike Miner was a Red, but he was never a Dodger. Griffey was a Red, not a Dodger. Hmm. Yes, it's a guy. There's got to be someone recent. Yeah. That's um, the thing. I feel like there is, yeah. There, there, there has to be. This is actually pissing me off a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, Peterson never played for the Reds. Neither did Hayward. Uh, no, he played for the Cubs. Uh Hmm. Freaking hell. <sighs> Jeanette never played for the Dodgers. Do you want to you want to think about this one and we'll move on? Yeah, you guys can do the categories. Okay. I'll think of the two. Wait, do you have any off the top of your head or no? Uh for these ones, let's see. What um, happened? No, I'm 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 just looking at them okay. now, honestly. I'm Damn. confident in Ryan Sandberg for 40 doubles Cubs. Lee Smith, 30 saves, Cubs. Um, Eckersley for the A's, probably 30 saves. Yeah, I think so. Um, Probably uh, probably those steroid era guys, either Canseco or McGuire for 40 doubles. Mm -hmm. I I forget what stat it was, but at the A's, Chris Davis. I don't think it was the doubles, but he appeared. Oh, oh, um, wow, I'm stupid as hell. Um, Reds and Dodgers, Trevor Bauer. Oh, oh <laughs> yes, he played for the Reds and he played for the Dodgers. Yeah. Did he ever start with the Dodgers? He yes. did. Yeah. 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 Well, they, yeah, they just yeah, have like to appear in the game, I think. There he is. Oh, my. I, yep. Granted, it was 27, but there you go. Yeah. I, go, I, go I don't know it. if we would have got anyone else, but that was the guy we were probably thinking of. He played, how many starts did he have for the Dodgers? Like four before he got? Five or six. Yeah. Something like that. And it still counts. He yeah, started yeah. the game. All right, it's up okay. to you guys. That's all. Okay. Lee Smith was a cub, right? We were just talking about him. I'm pretty sure he was a cub. You're you're the Lee Smith. Yeah, you're the Lee expert Smith guy. here, I guess. I'm pretty sure he was a cub. Wasn't there? Uh, God, wasn't there a guy? I'm trying to think. He put there was a guy who played for the Cardinals and the Braves as well. I can't think of his name. Uh, he was a closer. Um, oh my God, Cardinals, Braves, and wait, Cardinals, Braves, wait. He played, he played for the Cardinals, the Braves, and he was a Cub. I, I'm blanking on the guys. Oh, you oh, know what I'm talking about. I, think so. I can't think Wait, of the guys. Oh, Houston Street House. No, 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 no. 
not even like this guy was like 70s 80s like oh, 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 oh he, he, he was around the time of lee smith too and just i know he was a, one of the dominant closers he's a hall of famer i can't think of his name though oh my god did Kenley Jansen have it with the Dodgers? No, I don't think so. Did they? Here's a question: For a 30 plus save season, does it have to be? It has to have been done with that team. 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 Yes, I'm gonna go Lee Smith. Yeah. I, I'm confident. I'm confident in this one. Okay. Oh, nice. All right, good. And I, I, I'm really, for whatever oh, reason, I'm really liking Ryan Sandberg for 40 doubles. And there's got to be a better choice, but they, um, they, I'm like stuck on Ryan Sandberg. Just because it's killing me, and we already have that category done, but I'm gonna look up who the guy was. Thirty saves Dodgers. There's gonna be a lot of guys. Um, Kenley, yeah, Kenley Jansen, yeah, yeah. Oh, it was Bruce Souter. That's who it was. Oh. Okay. I was like, the name was on the 80s, tip of my tongue. Um, I, I always get two guys confused. There's Eckersley, and then there's Raleigh Fingers. I'm pretty. Sure was... Raleigh, weren't they both starter? Well, Raleigh Fingers was a closer his whole career, right? Didn't Goose Gossage also close for the ice. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Liam, did Liam Hendricks ever have a thirty season, uh, season save? Uh, save, save? No, I don't think so. Hey, let's go one of the Hall of Famers though. It's either I'm pretty sure Fingers and Eckersley both did. I feel like Eckersley's probably the safer bet. Well, is Eckersley, Eckersley was a reliever his whole career, right? No, uh, he, he was a starter to begin with the Indians, and then so he what became. About, a what about Raleigh Fingers? Was he a reliever his whole career, or was he a starter? One of them was a starter. That I went. That I went. No. Raleigh Fingers was a close, was a he's a Hall of Fame closer, and Eckersley was a starter with the Brewers. No, Raleigh Fingers was Fingers with the was with the Brewers. I always got those two guys confused. I, I but you're sure Eckersley was a starter at some point? Yeah, he so was. So Fingers was probably the reliever his whole career. Okay, I'm confident. Fuck no. My bad. <laughs> I was confident in that one. But Eckersley. <laughs> I apologize. He made a comment that went off on air. <laughs> There's a drive by Cassie. That was just cool. It'll be a home that run. No, an, an hour and 44 <laughs> minutes. An hour oh, and 45 man. minutes without a swear. Okay, now, okay, now I. Now you can just guess. We're running over. <laughs> no. Okay. Oh my god. Uh, I'm, I'm rough. To uh, let's rough. finish strong. Forty doubles. Dan Freddie Freeman just do it with the Dodgers. Uh, he yeah. had to. Doesn't even matter anymore. No, it doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. That was bad again. I screwed us again. He was like, "Oh, I got this." Raleigh fingers. I, I... <laughs> without hesitation, just. <laughs> I have never seen a man curse and then put his hands up to his mouth behind his face so fast in my life. <laughs> That was some Ryan level. Oh, it, it was Rizzo. Oh my God, Rizzo, Miguel Tejada. Miguel Tejada. You could want it, Mookie. Blake Trinan. Should that should have been easy? Sunny Gray, huh? Sunny Gray. Wait, what? Huh? Wait, where Gray are you was an, Gray was an A. I was looking at the team ones. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. Oh, let me share this. Eric Gagne, Wee Smith. You know, was I wonder was Suter part, part okay. of that? Okay. I assume he did. Blake Trinan, Ryan Madison, never would have got. Oh, Ryan Alford, Madison, that would I, I did say Houston Street. There you go. I, well, I did get that. Oh, man. You said no. No, 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 no. <laughs> well, no, <laughs> I wasn't saying no for the category. When you were thinking of the guy, I said no, 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 no. Like Because that wasn't the guy I was thinking of. 
I thought it was Eckersley too. I was more confident on Eckersley than I was Fingers. Let me see how many saves Wally Fingers had in the season with the with the A's. I, Damn, you don't have any confidence in your fingers. <laughs> Sorry, I had to. It's too funny not to. Um, saves. Eckersley was. Oh, wait, no, we were. He we had 20. Yeah, 24. 24 was his highest with Oakland. His overall was with um, Suter. Suter would have counted for the Cubs as well. He had 37. Oh, fingers, had, fingers had two 30 save seasons with San Diego. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I always get Eckersley and Fingers confused. What Bruce, was the other one? Suter would have got 14%, by the way, for, for, Cub, for Cubs 30 save. Okay. Let me did that, share this one. Uh, what what else we want to look at that is show summary again? Um, Three hundred thirty-five options. <laughs> wow, for Cubs Reds. Uh, we missed A's forty doubles. Would I have got this one? Let me see. Because I said I said Canseco or McGuire would have been probably the most popular was Miguel Tejada. Um, yeah, Tejada was this highest. one. Oh, Giambi, Giambi, I should have got. Marcus Simi. Eric Chavez. Dan Piscotti, I have his jersey. Matt Chapman, Marcus Simi. Oh. Damn, there were a lot of good options for this one. Giambi would have got 21, by the way. Uh. Okay, no. Okay, I wouldn't have got this one because my first – well, I probably would have got it, but my first guesses of McGuire and um, – McGuire and uh, Canseco were not on this list. Who is, Cub, who is Cubs 40, double, uh, 40 doubles besides Rizzo? Yeah, let's look at that one. So I'm curious. Because oh, I don't know why, but I feel like Bryant the Like, I, I was I thinking of those guys from, like, that era. Yeah, like the, the Cubs, Cubs from, that, from that round, yeah. Um, Ian Hatt. Oh, Soriano. Rizzo, okay, Javi Baez, I forgot about that. Ian Hack, I did not know that one. I would That's not have guessed he had 40 doubles last year or two years ago now. There Bill really Buckner. weren't a lot of good options for this Bill one. Buckner. Rafael, yeah. Um, Romero, yeah. There, yeah, there weren't really a lot of – yeah, Rizzo. Yeah, Rizzo probably would have been the best one. There weren't – would any of us have got this other than Rizzo? Uh I feel like I don't we think would have be. probably thought of Baez possibly. Yeah, I, I would have yeah. just thrown names out from that team. I got to yeah. check Ryan, I don't know, I don't know why I, Ryan Sandberg I was. I was screaming him in my head. He He's had to have come close. There's no way. He had 33, 36, 32, 32. That was it. Okay, but he was a Cub his, he was a Cub his whole career, and he had 400 doubles. So that was not a ridiculous guess. He probably has the all-time lead in Cubs doubles. No way. You know what? For giggles and blank word, I'm going to look it up. <laughs> giggles and blank word. All right. He's much more aware now. All-time doubles. This is already a PG-13 show, so why not? <laughs> Chicago Cubs top 10 career batting leaders. Okay, let's look at this. There's no way that this is an answer. Cap Anson. 
that's got to be a guy from like 1800s. Or yeah, I know, I know the name. Oh. I didn't know he was a Cub off the top of my head, but I knew the name. I know he's a Hall of Famer. Mark Grace, Ernie Banks. Or Ernie, Ernie Banks didn't. Wow. Freaking Matt Kemp. And then was yeah, around. Ryan Sandberg was fourth in all-time career Cubs doubles. I did not know Matt Kemp was a Cincinnati Red. What year? 2019. How many games? 20? Hell if I know. Let's look it up. But Because I looked up because I didn't. Because we ha- obviously we already did the grid, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, but yeah. Like, I looked up because I wanted to see, you know, what other options were there besides Bauer, and one said Kemp. I was like, really? Eighteen eighty-three, thirty-six doubles for Cap Anson. He played twenty games in Cincinnati in twenty nineteen. He had a total of what was his average? Twelve hits, two hundred average, four ninety-three OPS. Yeah, it's my Kemp. And he would have got five percent on the grid, but I did not know he was five percent. One out of twenty. You're telling me one out of every twenty people knew Matt Kemp was already. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> uh, I'm tight because <laughs> I knew it. I said I'm like, is it Eckersley or is it Fingers? And Eckersley had like six. I kept saying, I'm like, Eckersley's the safe bet. No, no, no. no. I said I did. I said Eckersley's the safe bet. <laughs> I said, I, I said, Eckersley is the safe bet. And you're like, you know what? No, it has to be fingers. <laughs> In that order. In that order. <laughs> the red pops up on the screen. Uh, Eckersley is the safe bet. No, it's got to be Raleigh. <laughs> Without hesitation. <laughs> and at that point, the grid was screwed. Why is it when, when the three of us do it, we can never get the full nine? Because Botcher's a genius. Botcher's a genius or we're stupid. I feel like <laughs> the last few weeks we haven't been able to get through the show. It's always like the final five to ten minutes where someone lets we'll something get, We'll get like the first six. Like the team ones will be easy because either, either – It's one like the thing is I know I know all the stats. I just second guess myself all the time. I'm like it could be this guy, this guy, this guy, or this guy. And then I put the wrong one. Well, yeah, Billy Hamilton from the 1900s. <laughs> Oh, yeah, Billy Hamilton, 1878 to whatever the year was. It's him. <laughs> we don't even start and we're already over. Yeah. Oh, my God. This is one we should have had. Like, some of them were like, okay, some of them we never would get. This is one we should have had. We we had it and you you, you messed up the clutch. You, you made me second-guess it because I was like, it was Eckersley was a starter. So you were like, Eckersley was a Ecker, starter. Eckersley was a starter to start, to start his career, but he ended up being a home fame closer. I never said he was a starter for this. I When I you asked me about Raleigh, I said I didn't know. I had no idea. I knew he was a closer. I don't remember. I I, I, you saying Eckersley is the safe bet. I never I said it. What? I don't remember you right saying before, that. Right before you had set your heart that you had completely drunkenly, blindly decided that it was Raleigh Fingers Ryder guy. We can go back and look. I had said it. Did you mumble Eck- it? No, I said Eckersley is the safe bet. And you sh- and you were like, no, 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 no. Fingers. If That's I would have had Husky the Street if you didn't say, oh, no, 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 not him, not him. Where's your affection for? I gotta get you a Houston. Just, just don't tell Andrew how much money Otani's gonna get. <laughs> yeah, he will be here all night. 
700 and I leave the show. God, let's pull a Chris Russo. Why don't I? We need you on the show, though, because you know the most obscure like, team. In, yeah. in Nick Franklin, we trust, baby. <laughs> like Logan, Brewers, for, Mariners, Logan right? Forsyth. That oh. name would have never entered my mind. Come to, come to think of it, out of curiosity, did he actually <laughs> play for <laughs> Logan Forsyth. <laughs> like, Probably. where did that name come from in your head? He did not play for the Reds. It was a Padre, Ray, Dodger, really? Twin, Ranger, and Marlin. It was a Marlin in 2020. And also, look, I play a lot of MLB The Show 21, so I'm able to pull out the most obscure player. Like, I could pull up a guy that you both of you would just look at me like, huh? Ooh. Yeah, it's usually one a week. <laughs> usually. Not this time, but usually. Yeah. Well, Logan, we'll count Logan Forsyth as that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, guess, I, guess. I, I knew who he was, but, like, I, okay. I had no idea. About Very quickly, games. what are the chances Otani ends up in New York Mets or Yankees? 5% chance, 10% chance? I think it's a solid 40%. I think, I think both teams will give him a good offer. I'm going to say I'm going to say about 7 I think 7%. <laughs> I was going to say, like, 10 to 15 I don't think it. I don't think I it's think a low, low but I don't, I don't think it's too well, high. Cohen would throw the money more. Cashman would just – the man's name is Cashman, and yeah. he's not going to spend money. He's a lot of Cashman. <laughs> no, yeah. I, I'd say about maybe 7 to 10%. Broke man. <laughs> Bro- yeah, broke man. Broke man. Uh, 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 George is rolling his grave right now. Here's the thing. If, he wanted to, if George wanted a guy, he got a guy. If Hal wants a guy, he looks at him. That's it. <laughs> but Steinbrenner shot. was also smarter, though. Like, I don't think Steinbrenner would have signed a Rod, or he would, he wouldn't have re-signed him. I don't think. Point it. Point is, Hal's window shopping while George is rolling in his grave. <laughs> I think that's it. We're a lot, we're more yeah, intense, I, more intense episode than usual. We went on for a while today. We had a lot to break down, a lot to cover. Obviously, three weeks of nothing, and then back in the saddle and. Wasn't there wasn't much there was no baseball though. No, it was wild yeah. offseason talk, a lot of awards, F bomb being dropped. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna have to label this explicit now on on the. Uh, You're gonna anchor. have to, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's all right. We'll take a trip to Man of Life eventually. <laughs> and with that, thank you for tuning in to the Santa Maria Baseball Podcast here on Review and Preview. We should have an episode coming again soon, one before the Hall of Fame, where we'll make our final ballots. Thank you for watching, and have a great rest of your day.